Thank you, Brian. Here, Carl. Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. Yeah, okay, Carl. Welcome to Scarlet Bay Community Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having me on air. Always good to be on air with you. No problem at all. Uh, you might just give us a, a, a just a rundown on your uh, political history, uh, uh, Carl. You you were in Clare County Council and then you were on the Dáil. So you might just let let our listeners know on on your um, political career from the council up along to the TD. Yeah, I suppose like like many Clare families, my family would have been uh, steeped in republicanism back to the time of independence. Um, but we didn't have anyone. Um, I would have had a great-grandfather involved in the Land League and a lot of carriages like that back in the family. But no one had gone for elector's office. But I suppose when it's in your DNA or when you get some awakening in your youth, um, you, you get a call, I suppose, to go for election. And in 2004, when I was uh, 21, I um, decided to, to give it a punt. I was, at the time, I ran in the Killaloo district. And, um, yeah, I, I, I topped the poll that, that, that year as the youngest in Ireland elected. That was way back in 2004, and then I was selected again in 2009, 2014, and 2019. I suppose 2019 was maybe a highlight. Um, I was elected mayor as well that year, so it was a big year. And um, I think people in the county do me, they do my work rate, they do I did clinics in between elections that I was visible. But what probably catapulted me to national attention was in... Um, in very early 2020, I was invited as mayor to attend uh, Royal Irish Constabulary Commemoration, and I refused, and I even thought about resigning from the mayor of Clare at the time. Um, and I did that for very genuine reasons. There were heartfelt reasons, but I suppose it did get me some national attention. And uh, honestly, it probably did me no harm come the general election of February 2020, uh, when I polled well, and I won a seat in the Dons, which was a lifelong dream. So... Currently there now, three and a half years, trying my best for the county, uh, continuing with clinics every week, uh, working for my office in Ennis, and travelling to Dublin each week to represent the issues of the county. And I suppose, Carl, uh, would the, the, we'll say, um, working in, as a TD in, in the national stage and uh, the council, is there a big difference in, the, in it? And, you know, is, there, is, there, is, there, is there frustration at times in, in, in the... In, in getting maybe things done with the maybe the slow pace of of, of the way things are uh, moving in 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 the doll. Yeah, does it? I would say there's quite a big difference. Uh, the workload is similar. The, the type of work that comes in is similar, but the amount of it, the volume of it, is, is uh, huge. So on a given day, about 120 emails will come to my office. Some of those to be quick enough emails, you could reply to them in seconds. It could be someone asking. Um, when will the 301 bus be back running? It'll be back running Tuesday, and you, that's that. But sometimes it could be more substantial stuff that requires an awful lot of work. So th- there's a huge intensity to the work. The one great thing, I suppose, when I was a councillor, it was a one-man show. Um, I had to take every phone call, answer every email. I'm really blessed to have uh, Mary, Sonia, and James in the office. And Mary would be known to a lot of people in East Clare, actually. She's Mary Skeen from So she she's a fantastic asset in my office, as are James and Sonia. The intensity of it is huge. Um, as a counsellor, I was teaching away in party school and attending meetings in the afternoons. But as a TD, you you have no choice but to be full time asset. So I would typically head up to Dublin on a Tuesday. I am unusual, perhaps a lot of TDs stay up on a Tuesday night. I would come home, try to attend a meeting at home. I come home with a train, I cycle. Um, and then on Wednesdays, I would go back up to the Dáil again at the crack of dawn, maybe the half-six train in the morning, and it would be kind of Thursday afternoon when I arrived back in the county. 
the days of Dublin are busy, but they're probably a shade quieter than um, the days at home. Because when you're in Dublin, you're speaking at all, you're voting or you're working from your office. The days of the county are very intense because it's a very large geographical county, as people know. And then you have to try to cover all parts of it. Um, if there's a, an issue in the most remote parts of the county, you've, you're expected to be at it. So I'm living just below party there. So if I, for example, was to go to uh, meet a group in Carrigahold, that could be an hour and a half, an hour and 40 minutes going all the way back there. And, and yes, uh, they're as important to me as the people here in my home neighbourhood. You have to represent an entire county when you're a TD. So it is intense, but I'm very grateful to have wonderful staff. And doing the clinics, I suppose, is one of my hallmarks. I'm the only representative doing clinics throughout the county. And it really helps me to have a pulse of what's happening in local communities. Um, you're not just arriving on when there's an election. You're there every second or third week meeting local groups and individuals. Yeah, and I suppose you'll, you'll be happy enough, Carl, uh, with um, the, 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 the boundaries weren't, um, weren't changed in, in, the recent, um, in the recent changes that was made in other, other uh, constituencies. Yeah, I was dreading a change. I think I think most politicians would dread changes in boundaries because they could make or break their political fortunes. I just saw during the week Sean Sherlock, who is a well-known Labour TD from Mallow County Cork, he's had to uh, retire from politics. Now, he's young enough um, and he's been re-elected on every election, but he decided he had to leave it because Mallow Town was moving into a different constituency. So that will tell you just how impacting all of this could be. Um, I was anticipating the worst. What has happened over the years is the that whole corner of South East Clare, Arda Crusher, Party, Westbury, Shadowbanks, all the way out as far as the Milik and Clonara boundaries. That traditionally has been moved between Clare and Limerick in different elections. There's a huge population base there, over 8,000 people. If that had got back into Limerick constituency, I would still have contested in Clare. There were no ifs and buts. I was, my mind was fully made up. But I would have been massively disadvantaged. You'd be like starting a match five nil down. Um, thankfully, the boundaries didn't change. Uh, the whole county of Clare will go forward to the next election as an entire county. So um, from Mount Shannon all the way down to the boundary here in Whitegate, and then all the over stars Lupin and the Bird. It's one full county. It just makes it a little bit easier to represent. And I did feel there was a time when I was a councillor. My home parish here was in Clare for the Dáil. It was in Connacht Ulster, all the way up as far as Ballon Head for European elections. And it was a Limerick for Dáil elections. Oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah, felt like yeah. nobody's child. Mm-mm, yeah, yeah. Mm. I suppose, um, to go on, on some of the, 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 the issues now, Carl, um, uh, um, we, we have a programme here every week um, where we, we review the papers. And uh, Dan Denner has been, um, has, has, has a lot of... Um, Articles there in recent weeks all about the the, the healthcare and uh, we'll say the U UHL the, the the what's happening in UHL and the uh, uh, emergency department. So uh, it was it was fairly full there recently again. Uh, was was it a big mistake to to, to really uh, do everything else and and and, and Nina and uh, and St John's and uh, just maybe push a little bit into Limerick? Uh, absolutely, it was a mistake. And it was a mistake made at a time when my own party, Fianna Fáil, were in government. Uh, it was long before I became a TD, but Fianna Fáil were in government. Um, the PDs were in government. And the decision was taken on the basis that it would lead to centres of excellence. Um, 
I never saw a centre of excellence being developed. And what we've seen is that um, they closed Ennis, which was wrong. They closed Nina, which was wrong. And a few years before that, Barrington Hospital and Limerick had closed as well. So we had, in this Midwest region, we at one time had five um, accidents emergency departments serving the population. Um, we're now down to one accidents emergency department. OK, you do have a local injuries unit, medical assessment. You do have those. And they're handy if you have a cut, um, add cramps if you have uh, a minor injury. But if you have anything in the cardiac end of things or um, trauma, um, head injuries, you need to go straight to A&E and be seen by the best of professionals. Um, it was wrong, and there was no centre of excellence, and I think it was wrong also for the decades that followed that the people continued to defend the decision to close those hospitals. Uh, realistically, I don't know if they're going to reopen I would hope that the region could again have a 24 A&E, a second one. I would hope that would be Ennis. But for now, we're seeing uh, these local injuries units and medical assistance units. They're certainly taking a degree of pressure off UHL. The other layer, I think, that wasn't around a decade ago, which has been added, and it's a welcome one, are these primary care centres. At one point, we had you know we had these local health centres. Uh, we still have them throughout the county, small little um small little clinics where you could meet the district health nurse and maybe a dentist, community welfare officer. But now they've significantly beefed those up and anyone travelling in into Ennis should have a look at Station Road there across the Chagas. Yeah, there's a fine, fine, fine place there, yeah. yeah incredible. Yeah. It looks mm-hmm. like a hospital. It's incredible. Yeah. And it's, it's meeting so many needs there for, from the young to the old. Yeah, and I suppose uh, the HSE in the recent, uh, I suppose with the recent budget, you're, you're talking of twenty-four billion or something like that, and in, 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 in uh, the HSE would receive. Um, uh, geez, that's a phenomenal amount of money, and um, uh, you know, is there um, is there enough of uh, of, of we'll say uh, governance and on, 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 on where all this money has been spent and. Um, that kind of thing, uh, you know. You 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 hear all these quotes about and and say there'd be places and there'd be there'd be shot of money and there'd be shot of of uh, of funding. I see there recently when we're in the paper where the Cams and Clare they had only just a small little unit for a, a place and they had to use a, a box room or something for for their um, for their um, their office. So uh, you you're just wondering where where all the all the all the money goes really. Yes and no. Money, money spent on frontline, frontline services is always really well spent. And we've come out of COVID, thankfully, with way more nurses, way more frontline staff. The gains we made during COVID, and we had to rapidly recruit people, we've largely held those gains. And yet, that doesn't denote that we're at a, a, a good finishing point, because we're not. There's a huge amount of work to be done yet. There is a lot of money wasted on other levels in the HSC. Uh, I think it's too top-heavy with management. And I really have been leading a crusade over the last year saying that the management of UHL need to be based in UHL. They're not. They're based up in an industrial office. In, in, sorry, they're based in an office in the industrial estate in Raheen, two kilometres from the hospital. So if a health services to be managed properly, it needs to be managed on site. And if budgets are to be um, properly spent, and you, you need to have oversight over them. What we've seen in the budget um, earlier this week is that now... Minister Stephen Donnelly, he will have he will have the biggest budget of all. It's a massive budget each year, but he's been told by colleagues in government, including the Minister for Finance, that uh, between now and Christmas there needs to be a review of how money is spent in the HSE. Now, I, I just for listeners' sake want to say that isn't about cutting back on nurses or beds 
or any patient services, this is about looking at how the money is managed. Um, I think the HSE would be worthy of twice the amount of money if we knew it was being spent on acute services. Um, But I also know of HSE facilities that are lying idle and could be playing a greater role. So we have to make sure the money is well spent. This isn't the government's money. This is the taxpayers' money. And uh, there's a lot of doctors, I will say, have have trained here and they've they're gone out of the country. They're in Australia and they're in different places. And I was listening to the radio yesterday, the national radio, and there was a, um, a, a junior doctor on and said that the, the, the junior doctors, um, that there was a recruitment um, <coughs> bear on, 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 um, on junior doctors maybe uh, coming into the health service. And you hear a lot of people saying that their, their relations and sons and are out in Australia as doctors. So uh, there's, a big, um, there's a big problem there as well, isn't there? Yeah, I, I, I think it's wrong. There was that iconic and very memorable photo taken during the COVID pandemic of, I think it was 150 doctors and nurses, all Irish, um, on the beach in Melbourne. There was a photo, it appeared in the front page of some of the Irish papers. I think that was fundamentally wrong. And I have, uh, I'm on the Oireachtas Health Committee, both myself and Senator Martin Conway represent the county on the Oireachtas Health Committee. I've been suggesting that it costs the taxpayer a lot of money to train up graduates in any third-level course. It does. But I think there should be some incentive for students of medicine, students of nursing, to remain in Ireland. We can't have the stick. We need to have more carousel stick, if you know what I mean. I think there should be an incentive whereby if they commit to staying in the country five years after they graduate, there should be a certain wavering of fees or there should yeah, be yeah. assistance given to their accommodation. We can't simply have all these graduates going overseas oh, no. yeah, and yeah. our own health system crumbling. Yeah. I suppose just going to um, another local issue there, Cahill, there's a lot of greenways and everything being uh, put around the country. You could, there's a greenways announced every, every second week now. And um, you could go on the screenway in Limerick and you might come out by Killaloo and up along the up along Ogunala onto Scarif. And uh, you'll see all these signs below on the on Lock Derg where uh, you have the the algae algae on the on, on the lakes and all that type of stuff. And I suppose a lot of it is coming from um, from we'll say uh, um, maybe farming nitrates and all that and. Uh, some of it coming from, um, from we'll say, um, wastewater treatment plants as well. That's not up to up to scratch. Yeah, generally, I think the greenways are very positive. I like to see them. Uh, I cycle myself. Well, I am a rural person. The car is what I mostly depend on. I think that's the same for everyone. But I, I have tried over the last years. I, I haven't taken the car to the doll in two years. Actually, I take the bike. Uh, and I get the train and I go off the other end on the bike as well. Greenways are very important. The more of them we can have, the better. Now, they can't exclude roads, and we have seen really good announcements in East Clare. The Killaloo bypass is progressing really well, and that will alleviate pressure there. But we've seen another road down in my home parish here, the Limerick Northern Distributor Road, which would hugely relieve traffic around Clannara Partine. That has been pulled by Minister Eamon Ryan, and we're trying in government to make sure that, that that doesn't fall off the agenda. Moreover, on kind of environmental stuff, look, w- one of the huge bugbears for me is that we still have villages, uh, I think there's 20-something of them overall in Clare, that fif- don't have a sewer scheme. I think it's it to be a local one. I think there's around 50 in total in Clare, and you have 12 in the, in the Killaloo Municipal District. Yeah, exactly, and Broadford probably has been the most highlighted one in the past 12 months. In Broadford, um, 
They've been put probably. forward for funding, and we would hope in the coming weeks if some positive announcements on that. But yeah, but they, they, um, were put, they were put forward two years ago. It's, it's taken an awful long time, isn't it? It is, and there's a reason for it. I suppose I, I'm happy to explain to listeners. Um, so when the minister announced the fund, he announced the fund of 50 million euro. He expects to, with that funds, to provide for 10 or 12 villages nationwide. Now. His officials in the department have queried if this represents value for money. For example, if you had a village of 100 houses and a scheme costs 5 million, that works out as a cost of 50,000 per household. And some of the gurus, the officials in the department are saying, is that really value for money, 50,000 per household? The minister has decided that, well, there is a good reason. It's not all about money here. There's environmental reasons, but there's also rural growth reasons. People want to come back and live in their home village. So if you have this infrastructure... So look, we're we're very adamant that this would proceed. All we're waiting on now is that final announcement. The minister is going to proceed with the scheme, no matter what his officials uh, may have may have views on. And we're we're quite close to an announcement. My hope is we'll get two villages announced: Broadford and East Clare, mm-hmm. Clare and West Clare. And then the following year, hopefully, we can tee up for more applications in the council. We'd have yeah. to keep the scheme going for many years to catch up with what other European countries would have. You see, uh, Carl, you, you can see that um, any villages that that uh, got wastewater treatment, uh, the ones are, are are really blooming, and the the ones that don't have them are are just stagnant, and they're, 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 there's no development going on in them. And I suppose there won't be any any until they're sorted out. Yeah, uh, and you know, we, the likes of Kikishan and the likes of Kikishan and Tola and all those houses going up in all those areas. Maybe uh, you have. You know, and, and around the county and various places mm. like that. And um, the, the smaller villages that, um, that don't have it are, 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 are being left behind. Yeah, and I, I think when we do see water pollution, and it's, it is quite prevalent, uh, we no longer have these crystal clear waters we always boasted of in this country. When we do have water pollution, I think we have to, mm-hmm. we have to face up to it for what it is. And I don't think we should be scapegoating the farmers. Yeah, you do have farmers. You do have some who spread... Um, who spread slurry at the wrong times of the year, who spread fertiliser too close to watercourses. Of course you have those. I would argue they're in the vast minority. The true polluter of our waterways is lack of sewage infrastructure, if you ask me. You cannot flush a toilet, let it percolate into a drain, and expect that that won't go into the watercourse. It does. It contaminates the water, and many communities are drinking that same water days later when it comes through um, treatment plants and gets pumped back into the village. So it's, it's not sustainable. And um, this scheme to provide sewage in villages is a one-off pilot scheme. But my hope would be that we will see this become a multi-annual scheme. We need to keep it going for many years. Yeah, and I suppose uh, I, I, my own personal opinion is that the, the, the water charges should have kept on and at least it should be given, should be given some funding to, to, to the Irish water. To know that, uh, yeah. that there'd be more funding there for all that type of, of, of work. Absolutely, and, and even beyond the environmental reasons, you can see, particularly in the East Clare villages, um, the development of road networks. Um, a lot of a lot of communities in East Clare now, once they get through Killaloo, Balna, they're very close to motorway, and yeah, similarly, yeah. other communities can get over. If you're in Tulla or Scarf, you'll get over to Ennis quickly or down to Limerick. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people now are able to work in the city environments or out in Shannon or Ennis, and they're commuting back to East Clare yes, in the yeah, evenings. Yeah. It's a very nice lifestyle. They want to be able to live in those villages, and this kind of infrastructure 
allows that to happen. And when you have a good, strong village, you don't see shops and pubs closing. You don't see schools under pressure. You see vibrancy. And that's the kind of rural county affair I would like to see. Uh, It gets a little bit more difficult as you go back west, Clare, because you're more peripheral. But in so many East Clare villages, I see huge opportunity. If there's the right infrastructure, um, these villages will thrive and... You know, there's a fabulous social infrastructure there. It's not all what you build, but there's, like, when I think of East Clare, I think of strong communities, um, good community spirit, nice hurling clubs, and, you know, there's so much, and you're near everything. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's yeah. a good quality of life if you can live there. Yeah. Well, uh, Carl, uh, we have our, our, ti- our time is up, so thanks, thanks very much for coming on the radio today, and uh, we might get you into, the, into the, the studio at some stage, maybe during the year again. Absolutely, always a pleasure. And, yeah. and thanks for having me on. Keep up the great work. Yeah. Thanks, thanks Carl. Thanks again. Thank yeah, you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye.